Good morning, PT. We're going to talk about financial literacy. Yeah. We're going to talk about tithing. Yeah. We're going to talk about offering. All right. You may sit for now. That was good. That was good. That was good. Uh, my name is Paul Griffiths. I am the treasurer who is slightly out of breath. Always takes a risk as a man in his 40s jumping on stage. But I am here to talk to you about how to spend your money according to the Bible. So turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. it's according to the Bible. Just in case you think, it's according to Paul. Thank you. Now I say that because I'm preaching to myself today. I am the treasurer. I do uh, talk a lot about money and things of God. So we are going to talk about money today. But I don't want you to feel badly about that. Uh, so we're going to have a conversation together. But I think I should start with God knows we care about money. If you look at the Bible and you look at how much money is talked about, it's talked about more than prayer, talked about more than faith. It's maybe a top three thing that God knows that we care about our money and our possessions and our stuff. Uh, and so, I'm, like I said, I'm not here to shame, that, shame anyone or make anyone feel bad about that. So I want to have a conversation. And the best thing that I learned preparing for this is that in the Bible, money is always talked about in community that money is always talked about in relationship to others. And it's, it shows up in weird ways. Uh, so there's this scripture. I can't see my screen. Uh, there's a scripture from, uh, from Luke 15. And it says, What woman who has ten silver coins and loses one of them does not light a lamp, sweep her house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls together her friends and neighbors to say, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost coin. This is a weird scripture. How many of you have been to a coin-losing party recently? I read this scripture and I think, imagine someone running through the streets of Cambridge saying, I found my money! I'm worried for her. I think she's going to get rolled. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says she calls people together and they rejoice. So there's this sense that when we talk about money, if some of us have it, we should kind of be happy, right? We should all share in what each other is blessed with. And so that's the place I want to start from. I'm really here to convince you that money in the Bible is really about community. When we talk about how to spend your money, we're really talking about community. Uh, there are some big words in the Bible, tithes and offerings. We're going to talk about both of them today. Uh, tithes relate to stuff that you give out of what you earn. Offerings about what you give out of what you save. So I'll tell you a story to illustrate the example. 19 years ago, uh, when my, my wife was expecting our first son, who is now sitting here large in the front row... <laughs> Uh, we went through a season where we didn't have very much money. We were kind of scraping it together. Uh, friends, because my wife was pregnant, uh, were a little concerned. They were buying us groceries. Uh, we had other friends who invite us over to eat at their house once a week so we could uh, eat meat. And I still appreciate that. Uh, and so that's kind of where we were. And then we got this gig where my wife and I could kind of, kind of do this kind of media thing for someone. And we made $500. And this was very exciting to me. And I remember I got the check, and I thought, $500? Okay. I'm going to tithe off of that, because I was into tithing. Okay, $450. $450. I'm thinking steak. I'm thinking chicken. I'm thinking shrimp. You know, I'm just, the grocery list is going through my mind. And I'm so excited that I walk up to my wife, and I go, honey, look at it. We got the check. You know what we can do with this? And she says, yes. 
We can give it away. That's an offering. Now, those of you who have been married, you know that when your spouse is holier than you, it is not always a good moment. So I think I said something like, and then walked away. Because I was like, steak and chicken and shrimp. That's what I was thinking about. But my wife's heart was, let's offer this. The church that we were at was going through a building campaign. And, and she really wanted to bless our community. Uh, and now, because I've been married for 20 years, uh, I, I want to bless my wife back. It's her birthday weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to give her a, a gift that married couples really appreciate. You were right. <laughs> it's a good gift. That's a good gift. Oh, look at that. She was right. She was right. She was right. And in fact, since we've done that, I have to say, tithes and offerings have been something we do routinely, and we've been very blessed financially. So I'm trying to convince you uh, some of that. But when we're talking about tithes and offerings, we're also talking about earning and saving. And from the Bible's perspective, the Bible kind of assumes that people are making money and assumes that people are saving money. And likewise, if you're not making money, there isn't the assumption that you're going to tithe. And if you don't have money, there isn't the assumption they're going to offer. So I want to, again, just say, I don't think God wants you to go into debt for any of this. And when we talk about, uh, you know, us as a church, we really care about everyone growing, even economically. So I'm going to start there, that this is not... I'm not trying to convince you to give anything today. We already did the offering. Uh, but I am trying to explain how I think the Bible encourages us to use our money. Uh, but if you, don't, if you need money going through a season, uh, you know, that's part of what we do. We have several ministries that are really there to help people out no matter where you are. So I want to start with that, that if you need something, that's part of what this community does. We like to give back to everyone who's with us. Amen. Now, uh, I want to explain the way that I grew up thinking about giving money. And it involves French fries. So when my mother, <laughs> that was a good, nice. Uh, when I would grow up, I would go to what we call the fast food restaurant. And I would get, you know, a hamburger and some French fries. And my mother would take me. But my mother had this very peculiar habit she wouldn't order french fries for herself. And I would say, do you want some fries? No, 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 I don't want any french fries for myself. And then we would get the tray, and before the tray had hit the table, she was already reaching for my fries. Now, my mother had brought me, my mother had bought them, but something about the fact that when they ended up being served on the counter and I took them to my seat, they were mine. They were my fries. Some of you were raised this way. You had mothers like this. What I learned was, if I gave her a few before she was asked, okay, maybe she'd leave the rest of my fries alone. It was kind of preemptive paying the tax. That is not actually what God wants us to do with our money. When we're talking about tithes and offerings, it's not to get God off our back to let us eat our fries. <laughs> I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, God does not want your french fries. <laughs> the Bible speaks about money very differently. And it took me a long time to appreciate it. But I want to share some of that today. So first, uh, I want to talk about off, uh, tithes, and then we'll talk about offerings. And then, because I'm a practical person, I'm going to give you some plans. I'm going to give you some things you might be able to try. But when we talk about tithes, uh, tithes are from earnings. This is my next scripture. And the way it's described in Second Chronicles uh, is as soon as the order went out, the Israelites, the kind of people of God, generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, olive oil, honey, and all that the fields produce, and they brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. 
So in this sense, there's two important things. First, there's a tithe. That's like a tenth. We'll come to that. But there's this concept of first fruits. If you were a farmer, you didn't know how much stuff you were going to grow, right? It's the beginning of the season. I don't know how much I'm going to produce. This idea of first fruits is that you're giving the initial bit that you get, which typically a farmer would reserve for planting next year. And this idea of first fruits is you're giving out of what you hope you're going to be able to do in the future. And so when we talk about tithing, it's about giving to God first because we trust him. So my wife, who I admitted was holier than me, <laughs> wanted to give out of this sense of generosity and first fruits. We have this. We weren't expecting this. I want to give this to God first. And that's the spirit of a tithe. It's giving to God first. Uh, the second are offerings, and offerings are from savings. This uh, next scripture is a, a famous passage uh, about a woman who gives from her savings. Uh, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came in and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And everyone listening to the story would have understood that a poor widow was someone who was really dependent upon others. She not only didn't have a husband, she probably didn't have a family that was taking care of her. Uh, calling the disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So we get this picture of an offering being sacrificial, that she is giving out what little she has, and Jesus commends her for it. So something about offering is about giving from savings. And these two things are important as we think about how God might want us to spend our money. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, one of the things I love about our church is that we're trying to get everyone to grow. So we have the PT Spice so I want to talk about economically, how to grow. So I, I want to practically talk about really how to, how to spend your money in a way that's pleasing to God. And the verse that I uh, come to often is from Malachi, which is this book in the Bible. It's kind of a little bit of an argument between God and his people. And you get this part where it seems like God is saying, will, you, where, will, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me, meaning God. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. This is a weird passage, because it seems to imply that there's kind of a transaction that's happening. That God is saying, hey, you... You follow me in this, and you will see that I promise that I will bless you back. And this promise of God giving back shows up over and over again in the scriptures. And I think this is part of what it looks like to grow not only spiritually, but, but maybe with your money. That really trusting God, that God makes these promises to kind of pay him back. So I'm going to give you my first plan. Like T-Mobile, I have a couple plans. So you can figure out what you want. But this is my first plan. If this is not something you're doing right now, if you're kind of at the front end of thinking about giving, uh, I want to introduce my starter plan. Uh, here's my starter plan. Tithe 1%. Just try it. Try giving some money uh, and consistently and see if it improves your life. Because, again, that's what, the, that's what kind of God's promise is. And so see if it improves your life. As I said, since we started doing this, uh, we have been financially blessed. And if you talk to any of the elders or people who've been following God for a while, you'll notice this is, this is kind of a common theme. It's a good discipline of tithing. But just start with anything. But the second, on offering, I would say maybe don't offer anything yet, especially if this is new to you. And here's why. My recommendation uh, and I think this falls in line with God's principles, is to not give out of your savings, but to save up for your family. All throughout 
God's word, there's the sense that we're taking care of our family. We're taking care of our parents, we're taking care of our children, we're taking care of our sisters, our brothers. And this idea that you would save something, and my suggestion is one to two paychecks, uh, is that you would have some money to help your family. That if you look at when people really need help, you're talking about a broken down car, you're talking about being out of work for a bit, you're talking about these very real human things that if you can bless your family, especially whoever you're thinking about that you don't want to bless right now in your family, especially them, that is part of God's heart. God's heart is for you to be a blessing to the people who are near you. And so the first thing I would say is, if, if this is new for you, to start with your family. Again, uh, this is not something that this is not something that I think God wants you to go into debt for. This is something that you want to save so that you can be generous. So this is my starter plan. Plan one. Uh, the temptation in talking about tithing and getting so prescriptive with numbers is that we can get a little fixated on what's ours. Uh, but I do think it's worth talking about our second plan. Now, Jesus has a lot to say about tithing and offering, uh, and we get this passage from Matthew. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. This is my mother's favorite scripture, by the way. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup. Now, in the first part, Jesus is talking about these people who make a big show of giving. And he's criticizing them. And he's poking fun at them. Uh, because he's talking about them measuring their spices. Right? Do I have exactly 10%? Is it just enough? And I don't know how you cook. But I cook with a handful of spices. So this is like someone who's like really stingy, right? This idea, they're like counting out every grain of cumin, and they're counting out everything. These are not, these are not people that you want to eat their food. Do you know what I'm saying? They're stingy. So Jesus is saying, look at them. They're making it so important that they can be accurate that they're missing out on the purpose. And the purpose of a cup is not to be clean on the outside, because you don't want to drink from something like that's a really good joke about to appear on the screen. There we go. Thank you. You don't want to drink from something like that, right? The whole point is it's not about showing what you're doing. It's kind of your heart and purpose in the matter. And so the purpose is not to look clean. The purpose of a cup is to be clean. So this is about your heart in giving. So I am going to give some guidelines, but it's really about the heart uh, rather than the guidelines themselves. That said, in looking at what the Bible has to say about how to spend your money, I want to present to you the partner plan. That if you have signed up to be a partner here, we talk about committing to the church in tithes and offerings. There we go. Okay. So what does that mean? Uh, for my reading... Uh, the first thing is tithes. As we said, it's 10%. And it would be pre-tax, meaning you pay it first. So instead of waiting for the government to take their part, you think about, great, I'm going to pay it first. And that's really for God, that there's a sense that we're committing to the work, people are committed to the work of this church, committed to the work of building God's kingdom. We're kind of committing some of our money along the way. And the second part is out of offerings. And offerings are out of savings. There are not only ties for God's house uh, in the, the stories of God's people from the First Testament. There are stories about other ties, uh, two in particular. The first are feasts where you would get together with your neighbor and you would throw a party. That sounds good, right? We like that. That is part of God's work of bringing people closer together, that we would that the people of God would spend money kind of building relationships through neighbors by having feasts. Uh, and the second was for the poor, which the Bible 
describes specifically as a foreigner, uh, the, a foreigner, the orphan, and the widow. And if you were to understand what that means at that time, those are people who are kind of hanging on the edge of society. People who couldn't, a foreigner couldn't necessarily own land, and so in a, in a, uh, in a society where everyone's farming, that's kind of tough to build wealth. Uh, an orphan would be someone whose parents are gone, so it's like kind of street kids. And then widows who had kind of been left out of the system. That there's this idea that we're giving to kind of keep people in relationship with us from kind of slipping out uh, of our community. And that's the kind of work of the people of God. And if you look at what our church gives, we actually give about this. We give, we tithe, and we offer, and we give to the works of God, and we give to our community, and we give to, to people who can't pay us back. That this is kind of the, the spiritual principles. Now, I'm not saying all of the offerings would necessarily have to come through the church, um, but some of them would because we want to collectively do it. I think the important part is that this really will change your relationship with money, that you're thinking about how do I not only build a relationship with God, but build a relationship with my neighbors and with people who can't pay me back. This is where I thought I would get to in the sermon, where everyone is looking at me like, hmm, I'm taking this in. And some of you might be biblical scholars. And you might say, hey, you're talking about the Old Testament. Jesus came, he fulfilled all this. Kind of, what about that? Do, is, this, is this still what we have to do? And to that I would say, let's see what Jesus has to say, and I'm going to introduce the third plan uh, which is from Jesus. So our next scripture, this is from Matthew 19. Uh, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Jesus, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? So I like to imagine that Jesus is kind of hanging out, right, with his, with his apostles, and this guy kind of beelines up to Jesus, like wants to have a conversation. And Jesus says, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. So he kind of gives him a good answer. Uh, follow God, and, and the man's like, got it. Which ones, he inquires. So now he's getting a little, little agitated. And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. That would explicitly be understood as you're giving them money, you're keeping them afloat. Right? So that would be understood. And then love your neighbor as yourself. This idea that I'm kind of treating other people like I would treat myself. These are, I think we can agree, the greatest hits. Right? This is kind of the top ten, uh, ten commandments of the Bible. Now, the young man is not satisfied with this. He says, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? And he seems a little agitated. And I've thought about this young man a lot because this is a, this is a tough teaching that Jesus is about to lay down on him. The best I can imagine him feeling uh, is from the 2003 ALCS game between the Boston Red Sox and New York Yankees. Those of you who were around in 2003, uh, you might remember this guy. This guy is Pedro Martinez. People know who Pedro Martinez is? Yeah, okay. So here's what happens in 2003. Now, it's hard to imagine this now. My, my son was born in 2004, so he has never known Boston to be a terrible sports town. But in 2003, the Boston Red Sox had not won a World Series in 86 years, and they called it the curse. They called it the curse, people of church. The people were running around saying, it's a curse. They were using religious words to talk about the fact that we couldn't win a game. Seems silly. Except, 2003, Boston Red Sox are playing their nemesis, the New York Yankees. Boo, that's right. Shauna is a Yankees fan. Boo them, yeah. Playing the New York Yankees. And this man, Pedro Martinez, pitches seven innings throws 100 pitches. Do you know what a feat of sportsmanship that is? 100 pitches. 
finishes, we are six, out, six outs away from going to the World Series for the first time in 86 years. Every time Pedro would step off, he would do this little, like, tip my hat, shoot it up to God, and then he was done. So he did it. Everyone's excited. It's the end of the seventh inning. The eighth inning starts, and guess what? The manager put Pedro Martinez's for one more batter. That did not go well. We lost to the New York Yankees in game seven at home in a heartbreaking fashion. And the city of Boston was depressed, if I can say it. It was a dark day. And Pedro Martinez still talks about this. He's, he's still, this is still a regret that he just went for one more batter. That is the feeling, I think, that this young rich ruler has, that he just tried to take Jesus with one more question. Because here's how Jesus responds. Jesus answers, if you want to be perfect, sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad. Pedro Martinez sad. Why did I try to get one more question by Jesus? Sad. Because he had great wealth. Then Jesus turns to his disciples and says, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a tough lesson. I kind of wish that guy had showed up too. Because <laughs> it's tough. Like seriously, this is tough. He was fine. Jesus was like, you're good, you're good. Oh, third time? I'm going to take you long over the green monster. And you're out. Uh, but he wanted some love or appreciation or a plan. And he got told money was in the way. This is the third plan, the perfect plan. Give 100% to foreigners, orphans, and widows. That's your third option. Proverbs says, mercy to the needy is a loan to God, and God pays back those loans in full. I can tell you, I am not perfect. I'm just not. But this worries me. Because it implies that I really have to think about my money and my stuff being in the way of following Jesus. I'm going to give you one more scripture. It's a, this is a picture of warning. Uh, and it's from Luke. It's my, um, from Luke 12. And it's a parable. Jesus says, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. He's thinking about himself. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns, and I will build myself bigger ones, and then I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you know it's... Not a good sign when God enters the parable. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Now, God doesn't say, that was a dumb, you know, God doesn't say, I don't like big barns. doesn't say that. He seems to imply this guy has gotten it wrong. He has fundamentally misunderstood something about money. And I think it's, and if you, if you look at the, the story, there's no one else in the story. It's just him alone in a bigger and bigger house. It's a picture of loneliness and isolation. What I think 
the point this parable is trying to make is that money without purpose is a waste. Money without purpose is just a waste. I'm going to show you a picture of the second richest man in the world. He is riding Space Mountain at Disney World alone because he has bought the entire ride out so he can ride on it. How does this make you feel? It's kind of sad. People saw this picture and they said, this is, this is really a sad picture. I have a couple problems with this. Uh, the first of which is, why is he not in the front seat? Anyone who goes on a, anyone goes on a roller coaster knows you're going to ride in the front seat. If you're going to bother buying the whole thing out, why are you not going to be in the front? Ah, ah, ah. That's where all the fun is. People wait in line for that. He skipped the line. It's my first criticism as an aficionado of roller coasters. But here's my second one. He could have done a number of things. He wanted to ride Space Mountain. Fine. He could have gone outside, and by the way, it takes like an hour and a half, two hours in the Florida sun or California sun to get into this ride. He could have said, hey, 12 of you, why don't you come with me? We'll all cut the line. They would have gone together. He could have paid for 12 kids who couldn't have gone otherwise to go with him. He could have bought Disney World and made it free forever. I just want you to understand, okay? But he's riding it alone. Now I have to ask you, if he invited anyone or paid for anyone or got anyone along with him, would it have cost him anything? Not really. He still could have done the ride. He had spare seats. Imagine the picture that I would show you if this guy took a dozen kids who otherwise couldn't get there, what would, the ki what would, the, what would this picture look like? The kids would be like, ah, yeah, right? I mean, they would be going nuts. Space Mountain's quite a ride. Five out of five stars. So they would have been really excited. But here's my deeper question. How excited do you think he would be? How much happier would he be if he just shared that experience with someone. This is the danger that I think the Bible is talking about. It's not just about others, it's about ourselves. I'm gonna give you our three plans again. Here's our plans. I think all of these are actually biblical plans. I think if you wanna get started, my advice, tie something, call it 1%. Uh, and then save. Save so you can be a blessing to your family. That will put you in more relationship with that family. If you're a partner, if you want to kind of join us here, my recommendation would be to tithe, give to the work of church, the church, and then give 3%. And that will put you in relationship to your neighbors. And if you want to be perfect, if you want to throw that one more pitch, you can give everything to people who can't pay you back. Because the point of this is to move you into a relationship to use your money strategically to make relationships. That's the point. And I have to tell you, it's one of the simplest things you can do. If you think about all the things that whatever a person of God should do, praying and fasting and being kind and all of that, really, like, Clicking a website twice a month? I mean, this is easy. This is easy, family. It's not very demanding except on the heart, but that's the point. It's demanding on the heart. So when we go back to this, this offering from savings, when we go back to the story of the widow's mites, I think what, why Jesus is so excited by this is she actually had a right to take. She had a right to show up and say, I'm a widow. You're supposed to provide for me. Give me my money. Give me my stuff. She had a right to take. And instead, because she was giving, it was going to force her to trust 100% in God. That's the reason 
that Jesus was ecstatic watching this. So, yeah, you can give her, yeah, give her some applause. So here's what the, what the Bible says about how to spend your money. Trust God and love people more than your things. Trust God and love people more than your things. That is the path to life in abundance. With that, I tip my hat. <laughs> my time pitching here is done. And I'm going to invite up, uh, I'm going to invite up Elder Ginny to come and love on some people who we have trusted and has really helped us fulfill our mission of caring for others. Thank you. Good morning. God is good. So, I actually have one other scripture to share with you on this topic, which I was delighted that my brother did not share, <laughs> so it's not a repeat. It's Matthew chapter 6, and this is before we want to uh, show some love and appreciation to people who have shown love in their giving of service over many years. And let's recognize that giving today was discussed in relation to money, but we all know that money is just one part of what we can give in our service and love for the Lord. And many cases, many of you serve the Lord in your time or in other ways that God puts on your hearts. And so today we're going to be showing some love and appreciation to some folks who have been faithful behind the scenes. So Matthew 6, just three verses. This is the Lord Jesus speaking. He said, beware of practicing your righteousness, practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have, now listen to this, <laughs> for then you will have no reward. <laughs> no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. What was their reward? Well, it wasn't nothing. Their, their friend said, wow, you're awesome. Therefore... When they get to heaven, they will have already had their reward. It won't be from God. And verse 3, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father, who sees in secret, will reward you. I don't know about you, I really don't like pouring my strength down the drain. I only have so much strength. You only have so much money, as we were just talking about, right? And we don't want to waste it, and it's not wasted when it's done as only to the Lord. And so in that backstop, uh, backdrop, I want to say that in representation of the executive team and the elders here at PT, I would like to take a moment to acknowledge and appreciate an entire ministry team that has served faithfully in the area of finance, actually. It's the offering counting team. They have been led by, now listen, listen. How, I wonder, as I'm going to say these next few things, I wonder how many of you, because this is something I thought about myself, how many of us even knew that this was going on? Okay, so hear this. The offering counting team has been led by Sister Lisa Mitchell for the past 
10 years, years. And they have been, their activities have been crucial to the financial health of your church, PT. I want to pause with that thought and say, you know, this is something we want to think about when we think about serving the Lord in secret. It's really a whole other thing from serving the Lord in public. It's a whole other thing. And it oftentimes takes people into lengths of commitments that go way beyond those who fly in and fly out in the short term. Who do we want to be? What reward would we like? Not because we're doing this, we're going to go and, you know, like check cash in. and get it, But out of love for Jesus, he really cares about that. Amen? So just to fill you in, since the pandemic, our procedures of offering have changed, as some of you have noticed. And there are going to be more changes to the procedures going forward. So I'm going to name some team members who have served over the many over years, but altogether over the past 10 years, and we want to really show appreciation to them. And I'm going to invite that as I name your name, if you would please come forward here and stand at the front. Um, we're going to like to give you a token of appreciation. My sister Debbie is going to be here somewhere shortly if she's not. Aha, there she is. Okay, and then I'd like to pray over you because... We want to see God really continue to bless you and to use you in whatever ministry he would continue to use you in because the Lord is not done with any of you. He may be thanking you for the service well done in these years. And let's understand that whatever we're showing here, like appreciation, you know, PT is, in my view, one of the most um, demonstrative churches in showing external appreciation to people. It seems, it always marvels me, even from the smallest child who will come up just, you know, to do something here up till the person who is maybe the, the most aged among us, there's always appreciation coming from this pulpit, which I think is a beautiful thing. But let's never confuse that, and let's never look for that as our reward, because we don't want to miss the real reward, <laughs> amen? Um, and these brothers and sisters that we're going to call up here have been faithful, so... Um, as I call your name, please come up. Sister Lisa Mitchell. Amen. Deacon Yvonne Green. Sister Nia DeYoung. Sister Chena Udoji. Is Chena here? Sister Idala, Idalia Cuevas. Sister Anna Gear. Sister Robin McNeish. We also would love to acknowledge and thank not only these here before us, but our brother Nick Souffrant, Sister Fumi Okelana, and Sister Donna Springer, who are unable to be here with us today, and thank them for their work in this ministry. Amen. And I'm going to, don't go away. I'm going to pray over you folks. And um, just, uh, again, let's keep in mind that their service, many times we didn't even know that what they were doing. We didn't know that sometimes they missed entire sermons while they were faithfully doing a task that was very tedious and boring, somewhere in a back room, taking care of being faithful to God so that the work of God could continue while the rest of us enjoyed the service in person. I'm pretty sure some of them stayed well after service, if I'm not mistaken, in the old days, <laughs> a few years ago, if not more recently. Um, so I, I'm just so glad that we have servants of the Lord in the house, amen, who, who serve without looking for appreciation, though we appreciate it. So let, let's all really join our hearts together and pray for these these, this part of our family who've been serving us and serving the Lord. 
Father God, we love you, Lord. We, we just thank you, Lord, for the gift of being able to give to you, Lord, whether in money or in time or in service. Lord, how can we uh, think, Lord, to just sit and receive, Lord, when you have given so much, really all for us? Lord, we appreciate the great gift of Jesus for our salvation. And Lord, we just want to thank you for these sisters and brothers, Lord, who have served in your house as an example to us at this moment. Lord, I'm thankful that they stand, whether here present or those who are not present in our hearts, Lord, as examples of faithful servants, ones who have not sought for recognition. I'm quite sure not one of them, not one of them gave a thought to standing up here before the congregation one day in recognition. Lord, they did these things because they knew that, Lord, love for you is manifest in service. And so we just so grateful for every one of these. And we just ask your continued blessing to flow to them, Lord. We pray for their strength. Lord, we pray for their health, Lord. And we pray that you will give them courage and comfort and, and strength to know that, Lord, you will reward. You have not forgotten their labor of love that they have shown toward your name, God, that there will be a reward for them, Lord, and that they have served you from their hearts. So I pray there will be a joy within each of them to know, Lord, that you're smiling on their service today, and Lord, that your blessing abides upon them. So Lord, we just pray you will continue to give them strength for whatever your, your spirit will lead them into in coming days. Your blessing go before them, and we thank you because you're good. So, Father, we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. And... Uh, and now I'd like to invite you all to stand as we're going to prepare to close the service with a blessing. Amen. So I'm going to bless you out of actually a passage in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 17. I bless all of you, God's people, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in you, his saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward all of us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places? I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a wonderful week. Amen. Hey, family. Thank you so much for joining us for today's service. Special thanks to those of you who continue to generously support the work of this ministry. We are so grateful for you, and it's because of you that we can be a blessing to this community. If you enjoyed the service today, please like, share with your friends and family, and subscribe to our channel so that you can get a notification whenever our services go live. We also invite you to follow us on social media at PT Cambridge in order to stay connected to this ministry. Hey, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for watching and God bless you. Prayer. We will have elders at the front, and anybody who needs prayer, feel free to come to the front, and we'll pray for you.